The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, One on One showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. Listeners, please welcome multiple award-nominated fan-favorite adult industry performer, Dan Ferrari. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you. It's good to have you on. This is an interview that has been a long time coming, and I'm incredibly appreciative that you were still interested in being interviewed after we had discussed it uh, You know, when I was on a bit of a hiatus that, um, if I'm being fully honest, it turned into a much longer hiatus than I anticipated. But, um, <laughs> but you were someone that we had chatted about it, and you were down, you were game, and I'm so glad that you were still game to do this. Of course, yeah. No, I, I remember we had talked quite a few times in the past, and, uh, you know, um, it just happened to work out. The timing all linked up, and here we are. Exactly. So, yeah, so this is going to be awesome. I'm incredibly appreciative of you. And so, uh, typically, I like to start off these interviews by getting some unique stats out the way. So, what's your height and weight? I am five foot seven and 160 pounds. Hopefully going to be lower than that soon. You know, I'm trying to get back down to my, uh, my ripped COVID weight, you know? There you go. What's your ethnic background? I am mostly Italian and then just a, a mix of Eastern European. So that's, uh, that's pretty much where I'm mostly Italian. What's your zodiac sign? Zodiac sign, I'm an Aries, a fire sign. But I've been married to a Virgo for 20 years, so I feel like I'm part Virgo at this point, too. <laughs> there you go. By, <laughs> by association. Exactly. I like, I like it. Virgo adjacent. That exactly. works. Yeah, there you go. I like Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And uh, how old are you? I am 39 years old, just turned 39. Happy belated. Thank you so much. All right. So typically I like to start these interviews off by getting to know a little bit about the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? Uh, Originally from upstate New York. Uh, Everyone, I'm sure, has heard of Woodstock, like the music festival. I'm actually from the town that the festival is named after. Well, just outside of the town, but I still just say Woodstock. Um, yeah, I, I spent uh, 28 years living in the Northeast, up in uh, upstate New York, a little time in New Jersey, and then um, my band went on tour, and when we got to L.A., I decided not to go back. So this has been my home base ever since. All right, now. So what was life like for you growing up? What was young Dan Ferrari like? Oh, man, young Dan Ferrari. Um, well, I mean, like, like I said, small town, so I grew up basically in the woods. So it was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we had our BB guns and, uh, you know, we, like my father would be like, hey, here's a, here's a machete, go and play in the woods, uh, you know. So I grew up very, very rural. Um, you know, there were, like, your, your, your friends were, the, you know, the, the three or four kids that lived within a five-mile radius because you could ride your bike to their houses. So that was pretty much my uh, my young my childhood, and uh, then you know the, the nearest big big like movie theater area was about uh, half an hour away from my house. You know, hour hour bus ride to school. So it was very 
very slow, uh, very, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say boring, but, I, you know, I feel like I should say something a little bit nicer about it. But uh, it was, it's a beautiful it was place quaint. to go up. Quaint. There you go. That's, <laughs> exactly the, that's a word I was searching for that I just couldn't find. But, yes, yeah, exactly. A very quaint childhood, you know, just uh, very slow, very, uh, very rustic lifestyle. Man, I completely understand now why you were like, you saw the big city of L.A. and you were like, "Fuck that shit." Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Like yeah. I said, it's a beautiful place. You know, like, like no disrespect to it, anyone that's there, it's amazing. And you know, I just felt like uh, you know, in my mid to late twenties, I was like, I need to get some action going. And uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I guess I fu- I fulfilled that to the fullest. Totally. Oh, one hundred percent. We're gonna get into all that action <laughs> in a moment. Sure. I am curious, just because you you said something that just triggered, like, a follow-up question. You mentioned that when you were a kid, you know, they were like, don't go in the woods. Were there any urban legends in your area? Uh, Nothing specific. I mean, you know, we were more worried about the actual uh, actual threats, like bears and, uh, you know, bobcats, things like that. You know, like I I said, very, very rural. So, you know, it wasn't – it it was a normal thing to see bears just walking up my driveway. Oh. so, you know, like, like we would always have to stay within a certain radius of the house, you know, and, and like kind of keep an eye out if we were going into the woods or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit more intense than an urban legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Group, I'm, man. I, I, yeah, I mean, you know, within an hour and a half, there was like Sleepy Hollow, which was, you know, part of obviously everyone knows Sleepy Hollow. So there was an urban legend of that down closer to, to the area, down closer to the city. Um you know, everyone, of course, has heard of, you know, like when you're a kid, it's, oh, there's chupacabras and there's Bigfoots. And, but, you know, like for the most part, we were worried about snakes, bears, you know, bobcats, things that we knew were there. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So you make this cross-country trek about, oh, yeah. what was yeah. it, like about a decade ago now? Uh, yeah, like uh, uh, 10 or 11 years ago now. Okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I was uh, I was playing in a bunch of bands growing up. You know, I play I play all the instruments. I play guitar, drums, bass, like whatever was needed, singing anything. Uh, just as like you know, I, I grew up very very musically inclined, and uh, I was in a band uh, right before I moved to LA. And uh, we did the whole the whole East Coast. We went down into into the South, and we went across. And we played in like South by Southwest in Texas. We had we were on a ticket to ride there, which was a big big event that was happening during South by Southwest. And then uh, the tour ended in Los Angeles. And then, uh, uh, you know, I, my, my brother and one of my friends from high school, they were living out here in Los Angeles. And I got here and I was like, man, it's awesome here. I don't want to leave. And then the tour ended and the, the bassist was like, hey, man, time to go. Get in the car. And I was like, nah, you know what? Just leave before I change my mind. I'm staying. And so, the, like, him, him and the rest of the band got in the car, drove away, and that was it. I, I called my wife and said, Hey, I'm not coming home. What do you want to do? So, you know, kind of put it all in motion. And then, uh, you know, she's amazing. Two months later, she, uh, she packed up everything, packed up our cats, drove across country and the rest is history. That's incredibly fascinating. Like what a life changing moment and props to her for being down. Oh, absolutely. No, it, it, it was, it was definitely something that was needed, you know, like, uh, like I said, a beautiful place to live, beautiful place to, to grow up, but, uh, you know, not really much going on for, for, you know, someone who's looking for more excitement in their life. So, you know, I, I just made kind of a managerial decision, and uh, she trusted in the fact that I knew what I was talking about, and 
you know, so she uh, she trusted trusted me, wanted to be with me still, so she came across, and that was it. Now let's talk about what was going on with your life prior to entering the adult industry. Prior to the adult industry, uh, let me see. Well, I uh, in in New York, of course, like I said, I was very musically inclined growing up. Um, so I, I taught myself drums. I I, I took guitar lessons. And uh, I worked in hotels, actually, for 10 years. I worked in hotels. I worked in kitchens, uh, pretty much anywhere I could find a job, but mostly hotels. And then, uh, like I said, I got more heavy into music and studio work and, and you know, touring with that. And then when I got to L.A., uh, honestly, not, not it wasn't really long before I started working in the industry. I was only in L.A. maybe two weeks to a month prior to getting into the industry, so I didn't even really have any time in L.A., not being involved in it. Oh, okay. All right. So let's talk about oh, yeah. let's talk about how you got into the business. So uh, yeah. So like, like I said, my, my good friend and my brother lived, lived out here. My brother had worked in the industry prior to me being out here. He was out. He was doing something else at the time. But uh, my my better, my best friend since tenth grade. Uh, uh, this this uh, his stage name was uh, well he, he wasn't a performer but he saw a stage name Dex Magnum was his uh, his stage name as a production assistant, and uh, he was working behind the scenes for uh, Mike Adriano. So he, uh, he, had, he had some issues, that, that, so he didn't have a car at the time, and, he, and Mike needed someone that had a car. So my friend said, hey, you know, you have a car, I need some help on set, you know, I'll give you $100, and you get to see Naked Girls. And I was a broke musician that just decided to, you know, clear move across the country with no cash. So I was like, well, for $100, I'll look at anything you want, I'm in, and uh, so I became my friend's assistant on set from behind the scenes for Mike Adriano, and then a year later he quit. My my friend quit. So uh, uh, and then a week later, Mike's cameraman called me and said, "Hey, do you want to be the lead person on set?" And I was of course more than happy to take over that position. And then uh, you know I I worked behind the scenes for Mike Adriano, and uh, uh, then multiple other directors behind the scenes for about five years before I decided to start performing myself. So, becoming a performer, would you call that a natural uh, sort of evolution in what you were doing? Was it something that you always had in the back of your mind as wanting to try out? Was it something that just sort of happened? How did uh, you go from BTS to in front of the camera? Uh, well, I didn't really think that that was going to happen. I had no inclination prior to that. Uh, I, I was never a huge, huge porn fan or anything like that. It was never really a big part of my life. So I was just working behind the scenes, and I was very comfortable, very, very easygoing, uh, you know. And it made it really easy to to get the work because I wasn't fanboying over all the models, uh, and I'm, I was good at my work. But uh, after about five five years or so. You know, I, I was I was just in my head. I was like, I, I was seeing all these people that I worked for. A lot of them were performer producers, so it was you know a high high name male talent that uh, would have a production, or high name uh, previously high name female talents that had their own productions now. And you know, like while being a PA is very you know they're needed. Obviously, PAs are needed. All all the crew is needed. I uh, I wanted to get something more going for myself. You know, I, I wanted something else like to have for myself. And my wife was working behind the scenes with me as well. I got her into the industry a year after I started. Uh, so we were both working behind the scenes and 
I just thought we were on vacation in Mexico, and I was like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity. You know, we're, we're in Mexico. We're in a good mood. We're, we're a little bit buzzed, you know. She, she can't, like, run away, like, if, if I ask her this question. So we were in Mexico, and I just, uh, I, I just went to her. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I should, like, one of us needs to become a performer, <laughs> you know, like, because I saw that that was kind of a, uh, a way that a lot of, the productions were it was the performer had the production so i was like you know we can have something more but one of us needs to become a performer and she was like well i don't want to and i was like well i guess that leaves me you know obviously i told her i'd like so i i told her i think i can physically do it i think i can mentally do it and she and then she said let me think about it and because i'm smart and know how to stay married i said no problem and i shut my mouth i didn't i didn't say another word about it at all and then uh, we got home from vacation, and she said, go get tested. You have a scene next week. So she booked me my first scene. Uh, it was a content trade with our good friend, Lisey Sweet. So, and uh, it just kind of started from there, and then it just, you know, ramped up. That's what's up, man. And once again, yeah. props to your wife for 100% being down and supportive. Like, I don't know, was, well, let me ask this, because I don't want to assume. Like, what was the conversation like? Like, was it really just as smooth as you described it? Like, did you, did both of you have to sort of discuss anything about, you know, just anything? Like, I always feel like if you're in a couple and, and you know, you have to have that serious discussion of like I want to be a performer you know it, it could lead to questions that sort of thing but but I guess it's a different situation with both of you because both of you were already working in the industry you know at BTS so I guess exactly. was that was the conversation yeah. just as simple as you said it uh the initial conversation of course well uh, like it was that simple you know at that point we had been married for 15 years you know we had moved across the country she had come across the country to be with me the, the relationship was very secure everything was great so, and uh, the fact that we both work in the industry, myself for five years and her for four years, we had a good understanding that it's not just a hookup. You know, it's not, it's not a dating service. It's not a hookup. It's not just trying to have sex with other people. It's, it's genuinely a, a job. You know, it's a fantastic job. It's the most fun job in the world. That being said, it's still, you know, it, it's, you know, you're having sex for 45 minutes sometimes, sometimes an hour, you know. My longest scene, I was hard for four and a half hours, you know. Like, it is a difficult job, and there are positions that are uncomfortable. You have to open to the camera, you know. There's a lot of things about the job that are difficult. So my wife, knowing that she worked behind the scenes, she understood that it's not just me trying to get my rocks off, it, that it was me trying to do something more. There was a period of adjustment, pr- like, after I started getting into it, you know, like, we kind of had to learn more of the boundaries after I started performing, kind of like getting comfortable with the whole thing, you know. And I, th- but I, I think it helped a lot that she was there when I did my first scene. She, she was actually on set with me. Uh, so it was me and Lisey, and Lisey's husband filmed it, and uh, my wife Suzanne was there shooting behind the scenes. So she got to see that it was just me and interacting, and there's no, you know, there's the, there's the passion during the scene, and then it, it's very business before and after, you know? So, because we are monogamous, so so we did have to find the way to adjust and be comfortable and, and for her to trust that I'm doing everything, uh, you know, in a very professional way. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. Completely understand. All right, so let's talk about your name in the industry. Let's talk about your performer name. How did you come up with your porn name? And uh, I do know that it was different 
and it changed. It was different. So let's it talk did, about yes, yes. yeah. Let's talk about the original name, why the change, and why the new name. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not going to say the name. I don't want people to associate me with the with the old name. Uh, but I did have have a very uh, a very porny very porny name when I first started. It was um, very porny. Yes, that's the best way to describe porny. it. Yes, like like think of the most cheesy porny name, and that was the name that I had. Um, I saw a sign. I literally saw a sign. I was I was at my motorcycle shop, and because I ride motorcycles, and I was at my motorcycle shop, and there was a sign across the street, and it was literally that name. And I was like, well, there you go. Like, because I, I I didn't really want to try too hard to search for a name, and I was like, okay, that's that's cheesy, that's porny, it's fun, whatever, it's fun. So I did take on that name. Um, and I did get most of, like, a lot of my nominations were with that name in my first couple of years performing. Um, but then during uh, during COVID, during lockdown, you know, I was talking with my wife, and I've been talking to a lot of the friends of mine that work in, in the industry. And uh, it kind of, like, uh, quite a few people that were working in, on higher end were like, hey, listen, the name, you know, it, it's kind of holding you back a little bit. You know, like, we feel like we, we like, People were, were hesitant to hire someone with that cheesy of a porn name, which which is totally understandable. So uh, during lockdown, my wife and I talked to a few of people that we know that are higher in the industry, and they were like, yeah, we recommend changing the name. So we decided to do a rebrand, um, and my actual name is Dan. Like, my name is, you know, my real name is Dan. So uh, working behind the scenes for all the years, everyone on set would call me Dan just because they were – so you you know like that that's my name so that's what they called me so I would be on set for like let's say Cherry Pimps doing a live show and it would be with a model that I I've known for four or five years and now I'm a performer and she would she'd be like oh my god I can't wait till Dan comes in comes in to fuck me or something like that and I'd be on the side like oh that's not my name so during lockdown we decided we had to go with we had to be Dan because everyone already knew me as Dan. So that way there was no confusion for the models that I'd be working with that would accidentally say my real name. And then uh, Ferrari just kind of came about. Um, we were searching and searching for a name, and uh, that one just kind of kind of clicked and just seemed like the right fit. So And uh, we went with that, and it seems to have uh, seems to have hit the mark. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the name, and I, uh, I hope all the fans enjoy the name and, and, the, uh, and the shift that has happened with it. It works. Although I am very surprised that you got pushback from the first name. Like I, like I genuinely am like, I know that there have been some performers that have had names that sound intimidating and that's why they change it. But I'm surprised that because performers thought it was too, that porn performers thought it was too porny that they were like, you should change it, that nobody wants to work with you because of it. That's a new one. I had never heard that before. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't necessarily performers. It was more on the director's side. That, uh, oh, the really? directors, The directors that, that were looking to book someone, they saw that name, and they were like, uh, I, I can't, you know, I can't book someone with that kind of name. That's, that's too cheesy. You know, so, so there are, I know quite a few performers that are still very upset with me that I changed the name. That they're, they're like, still to this day, they're like, like I have some performers that are like, I won't call you anything else. That you're still. You're still oh anything. my gosh. So That's I, like, they, fantastic. They're very, they're very upset. They're very upset that I changed my name. So, uh, but you know, I but I understand it. You know, like like it's a very professional business, and everyone's trying to you know kind of 
you know, produce the best content possible. And, you know, if it, if it seems kind of cheesy, then, you know, you, you might not know what kind of performance you're going to get. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I, I, I had hoped that my work and, and would speak for itself, but, you know, it is, it is a business. So, so I did understand this in that aspect, but it was more on the director side that, that, uh, they felt that, you know, the people that I knew that were working behind the scenes would suggest me and they'd be like, I, I can't hire someone with that name, you know, and I understand. So, but, uh, it feels good to be rocking my real name now. So that, that's nice that, you know, when, when someone says, Hey Dan, it's like, it feels natural, you know? Yes, totally. I completely understand where you're coming from. Okay. So we kind of dipped into this a little bit, but uh, now I'm going to ask you like a specific question about it. So you can expand upon the experience. Let's talk about, well, actually, you know what? You kind of have two different firsts, in my opinion. You have your first time on set as a BTS person, and you have your first right. time on set as a performer. So let's talk about the first time on set experience times two. What were both of those experiences like for you? Like, as you said, you weren't really a big fan of the industry. You weren't really a, a, a you know, a, a viewer of porn. So your first time on set doing BTS stuff and then your first time as a performer, what were those experiences like for you? Was the performer side a little bit easier since you had sort of seen, you know, what it's like to be a performer from a BTS POV for those five years? Uh, yeah, so so my first time on set uh, as as a uh, as a production assistant with with my uh, my buddy, you know, um, I, I'm a like I'm from a very open family, like like not that everyone is walking around naked or anything, but you know, like nothing really really shocks me too easily. So uh, you know, like all of a sudden there were naked people around, and I was just like, okay, this is new. But I got used to it very quickly. Um, and, and you know, Mike Mike Adriano, his set is extremely professional, extremely efficient. Uh, so it was really all business for me. I just wanted to learn as much as I could uh, about the legal processes so I could do the job as as well as possible. And uh, also because of my hotel experience, my main goal was to make sure, and it still is, to make sure that the models that are on set and anyone that's on set that that's working within a production is as comfortable as possible, has anything they need, and, and uh, you know, that was my, ma- was my main goal and is still my main goal to this day. But, you know, it, it, it is different than most people assume, you know, uh, all my friends from, uh, from back east, when I, when I told them that I was working in porn now, they were like, oh, man, you know, what, what, what's your favorite part of the day? And I'm like, oh, man, when I get paid at the end of the day, that's really exciting. You know, <laughs> they would always kind of get a chuckle out of that. But, uh, you know, it is, like I said, it, it's a job. Uh, you know, sometimes you're standing holding lights for, like, 20, 30 minutes straight. Uh, so it was uh, it was about what I expected. For a lot of people, I feel like they, they would think that it's more of, an, like, an orgy situation. But uh, it is very professional. But working behind the scenes, I found a trend, did transition extremely well into becoming a performer. Uh, you know, because... Uh, like even when I first started, every everyone I worked for said like was telling me you, that I was very camera aware, that I you know I I was opening to the light properly, that you know if a camera kind of came over my shoulder, <clears throat> I would kind of do the lean back so that they could get the angle shooting over the shoulder and everything like that. And so a lot of people told me that I, I seemed more experienced as a performer out the gate just because I spent five years helping produce it. So 
I understood it from a production standpoint. So I was able to take all of my production experience and kind of put that into performance. So the only real difference is now I was the one without pants on. And I'm just on the other side of the camera now doing my thing. Uh, you know, so it, I, I feel like it was, a, it was a very big benefit to get that experience working behind the scenes, especially on sets, high-profile high sets like uh, Mike Adriano, uh, Perb City. Um, I worked for Dana Vespoli for a while, James Avalon very high-level producers that were all producing such an amazing product and it really put everything and and I paid so much attention so I learned everything about how to be in front of the camera by using my knowledge of behind the camera very nice all right I love yeah. it I love hearing a smooth transition and, and clearly I mean it makes sense you know you were doing all of that incredible work behind the scenes clearly I mean, you're you're seeing how porn is being shot. You're seeing what the performers have to do. I think a lot of the listeners that you know may not necessarily have heard some of my other interviews because we always discuss this. Uh, but but something <laughs> that um that that you just said right now, if if someone is tuning in for the first time, uh, the opening up for the camera. I think a lot of viewers fail to realize that what performers do and how things are shot are specifically for the consumer's eyes to see. You're not Absolutely. having, you're not, not having, well, what, how am I trying to say this? You're not, um, I'm wording it, I'm not wording it properly. You're not um, having sex in the traditional way. You are opening up for the camera because you want the viewers to see everything because that's what they're paying for. I mean, they want to see the penetration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How difficult was it to modify what you do in your personal life for the camera? Like, was it difficult to adjust as a performer? Like, you had seen how it was done. Was it difficult to uh, enact it, is basically what I'm trying to ask. Um, <clears throat> yes and no. It, it's, uh, well, of course, because because of the fact that I've been watching it for so long, you know, it was almost like it almost felt like a natural thing because you know when you're on set and you're in the mode you know it, it like it kind of just takes over and, and like I knew what to do instinctively but that being said uh, that is one great thing about content creation is you know uh, you can get into the industry and if you can work with models on your own time you know whether it's with a phone or a camera or whatever like that I found it was very beneficial to do a lot of content creation when I first started um, because th there's less restrictions. Uh, you know, directors have a very specific product they need to produce. So content creation was, was a big help in learning. Um, and another big benefit was uh, after the initial few months of working by myself, doing my thing, uh, my wife started to become my camera person. Because uh, we were getting content, and we were like, okay, this is good content, but we wanted to be better. So for me, I, I was able to have the harshest critic in the world uh, critiquing my performance and how I was opening and where I was positioning myself. Because, you know, she would shoot a scene, and the model would leave, and then she would be like, if we're going to do this, if you're going to do this, you need to do it right. Like, you need to move your arm. When, when you're a missionary, you need to put your arm here, blah, 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 whatever it might be. So... You know, a, a director might just, uh, you know, not hire you again if you're not giving the correct opening and, and the correct shot that, that they need. But, you know, I have to live with my wife. So she, you know, 
producing the content and having her shoot it was uh, was really really beneficial to me learning how to position myself for camera i did have obviously all the training behind the scenes for years but uh to get it down pat i did find that having someone with me that was able to kind of critique me and help me understand where i was when i wasn't paying attention to what was happening was uh, was really beneficial but it, it is a workout though i'll tell you that it's a good workout to be leading like for anyone out there that's listening like you know, pretend there's a camera, and now try to, like, whichever side it's on, open your hip, lean back as much as you possibly can. Your abs are on fire. Your thighs are on fire. And for anyone that wants to try, you know, pile driver, man, make sure you got your leg day in a few days before because it burns. That burns your thighs, man. Let's talk about the good and the bad about being on set. When you're on set, what turns you on the most and what turns you off the most? Oh, man. Um, let's see. Um, you know, my biggest thing as, as far as turn on is uh, um, I like to create a connection with my scene partner. I like to, I like to be really connected, really passionate in the scenes. Um, and uh, the, the other thing that turns me on the most is, and I know a lot of people go over don'ts. Uh, I like to go over don'ts, of course, with the, with the performer that I'm working with. Like, you know, what, what should I not do? What, what do you not like? But I also like to go over dues. Like, what what are they into? What what makes what makes them get turned on? Because I feel like like I I get pleasure out of whoever I'm working with getting pleasure. So if they specifically like something, I get turned on if I'm doing something that they like. So that really helps me. Uh, so really, the connection and and, and pleasing the the, uh, the scene partner, and then as far as turn offs. Um, I mean, maybe bad hygiene, but, uh, you know, like, uh, like to be honest, when I'm performing, I kind of just go into a zone, uh, you know, and, and it's just kind of, you know, I like, really, I, I, I love all women. Everyone always asks me what my type of woman is, and I always just say women across the board. I work with, you know, you know, young, old, uh, uh, skinny, thicker, you know, I, I work with all women, and people always ask me, you know, like, how do you do a scene if you're not turned on by someone? And I always at least find one thing, and God forbid it hasn't happened, but if I can't find one thing, I just try to focus on maybe their personality is great, or, you know, absolute worst case, just focus on the fact that it's being filmed, and that I'm being a voyeur, or, or an exhibitionist, an exhibitionist, rather, for other people. So I, I can kind of zone in on that as well, and I can, I can get turned on just from the fact that I know that it's being recorded and I, I know that this is like going to be like basically a product for other people to watch. So I, I kind of get off on that as well if I can't find anything else. But uh, as far as turnoffs go, I mean, I'm, I'm easy, man. I'm going to be honest. I'm so easy. <laughs> I think that's why I'm doing this. What do you enjoy most about starring in porn scenes? You know, I'm going to be honest. I feel like, for me, at least, I, I feel like the uh, uh, my, my co-star is the star. You know, uh, being a male talent, uh, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not sure if my wife is the one that coined this. I, I, she might be, but uh, she she told me that the female talent in a scene is the picture. The male talent is the picture frame, and I think that's a great great way to phrase it. Is that that you know. The male talent in a scene is there to make the female talent look good. 
and and that that's my that's really what it is. So I don't feel like necessarily like I'm necessarily starring, but I'm playing a, more of a supporting role to all of my co-stars uh, whenever I'm in a scene. But I love love being in the scenes. Like I said, I love being watched. I love I love that whole thing. Uh, one of my things that I would love to do, honestly, is a live sex show. Uh, and we've actually been talking about a way that we can do that. Like uh, I know they do them in Europe, but a live sex show I think would be amazing. Like you know, with an audience there and everything like that. So uh, I just I just really enjoy being an exhibitionist and, and being comfortable in myself. And, and uh, porn has made me very comfortable in myself, and I think that's what I like about it. Is it makes me feel confident, and it makes me feel uh, um, not powerful, but I guess confident. Yeah, is is the right word for it. You've mentioned exhibitionism twice now in two answers back to back. So I, I do have a follow up. I am curious. Sure. You know, as this Please. as this small town guy who, you know, was living in a small town for almost 30 years of, of your life, then you moved to the big city. What Was it the shift? Or did you always have the exhibitionism in you? Was it being BTS on a porn set? Like, where did this sort of exhibitionist side of Dan Ferrari emerge from? Well, I feel like a lot of it comes from the uh, the background, uh, being in bands and, and uh, being on stage. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's uh, right. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like from a psychological standpoint that it, that it might have been the whole the, – the fame kick of, of, like, you know, like that feeling of, like, enjoying the energy that, that's coming to me from being watched, uh, obviously in a different capacity. Um, but, no, I was always actually very shy about my body. I was always very, very, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence in, in my body. And, and uh, you know, I was like the last person to take my shirt off at the beach or whatever. But, uh, you know, so, like, I feel like after I started, I kind of gained a lot of confidence. And that, then it kind of became more of a thing of wanting to, wanting to be exposed on camera and wanting to be vulnerable almost probably because also because other people kind of fear it. I've always been the kind of person that would go towards the thing that everyone else is afraid of. So I think that a lot of that is, you know, everyone's afraid. Like one of the biggest fears is, oh, my God, what, you know, like their, their, their bad dream is, oh, my God, I'm naked on, you know, on stage, you know. So I've always liked to conquer fears and things like that in my life. So maybe that's something psychological as well in that. I mean, that, that's my best guess, though, is uh, the performance aspect of being in, musically inclined and playing in bands, and then also just going towards the fears, going towards the thing that people usually shy away from. That was a fantastic answer, and you are right. You were a performer. You were an entertainer. And part of that, I mean, you know, I don't know if many performers would, you know, many sort of like big-name mainstream performers would would express it as ex- exhibitionism, but it is true. I mean, you are an exhibitionist in a different sort of way, not in sort of like the typical, you know, I want you to see me. Um, when you think of exhibitionism, you kind of sort of think about it in, in, in a sexual way, but it but it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's just, you know, look at me, pretty much. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like you, you, you want to be the center of attention, but that you, you kind of thrive on, on people you know, not necessarily in, in a in a uh, uh, a way where you're you're trying to like steal attention, but you you want people to notice you. You want people to kind of look at you, um, and you know, being an adult performer is a way where you're doing it in the most vulnerable way possible. Totally, one hundred percent. 
All right, let's break a porn scene down. In a scene, sure thing. which do you enjoy the most, oral, vag, or anal? Oh, man. Um, well, like I said, I usually enjoy whatever my partner enjoys the most. Uh, that being said, uh, I mean, they're all good. They're all fantastic. Um, I do like the buildup. Like, like uh, you know, all those are fantastic. The buildup, getting, getting into the, like, first interacting with your partner. Beyond that, um, everyone has their specialties. You know, um, some people, some some of the models I work with are like, oh, I'm an oral champion, and everyone has their specialties. Everything, everyone has their things that they they specifically pride themselves on, and uh, I just try to go with whatever they like. To be honest with you, but um, yeah, I mean that that's an impossible question for me. To be real, like anything that that uh, my beautiful co-performer will let me do to or with them, I am, I'm excited to be there. I'm happy to be in the room. If, if, they, if I'm just doing a hand job scene, that's my favorite thing that day. If I'm doing a crazy anal scene, that's my favorite thing that day. You know, like, I just kind of get into whatever, whatever it is that they want. In a scene, do you enjoy being rimmed? I do. Um, you know, uh, to be honest, it, it's a bit of fan service for me. Um, you know, I, I think it's hot that it, it's so taboo. I do enjoy that aspect of it. As far as sensation, it doesn't really necessarily have a sensation for me that is like over the top, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. But I enjoy the fact that it's taboo and I enjoy the fact that they enjoy doing it. So I can get into it because they enjoy it. Um, and I know the fans love it. Uh, for me, like, I, I just get off on the tabooness of it. Like, the sensation is just kind of moist, and that that's that's really about all for me, to be honest. But uh, it is an enjoyable thing to have done to you. So, any fans out there that are trying to do that, you know, make sure if you're going to get into that with your partner, clean up, get a good shower in, make make sure you maybe like did some trimming down there, make it comfortable for them, and uh, you know, then uh, give it a shot, see see how it goes. You know, some people it's it's you know, the best thing that's ever happened to them, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can be fun. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing to watch from where I sit when I'm getting it done to me. In the scene, what's your favorite sexual position to perform for the cameras, and is it the same position you enjoy off camera? Ooh, good question. Oh, man. Um, Let's see. Let's see. You know, when I first started, Doggy was my favorite, and that has shifted uh, I, I, a lot over the, over time. I feel like it's changed a few times, but I feel like now my favorite is Cowgirl. Um, I, I, I've gotten into, maybe it's because I've gotten into better shape, but I really enjoy fucking from the bottom now, and I, like, then I've got the eye contact, and they're kind of in control, but then I can kind of steal control and fuck from the bottom. Uh, and uh, that, that's one of my favorites to perform. Also, then, when the camera comes around and they're looking back and you get that shot of the long dick going into the pussy or the ass or whatever it is and give them a good spread, I think that's a beautiful shot. Uh, I, I think there's something very, very sexual about that because everything is on display right there. Uh, and then in my personal life, hmm, I mean, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to say missionary, man. I'm going to say missionary, eye contact, you know, 
not not opening like I would for the camera, just kind of, you know, in the zone, just being one with my partner, you know? So, something very classic. Maybe it's because I perform such crazy sex acts on camera, but I'm, I'm pretty tame as far as my, my uh, preferences in my personal life. I, I like a good missionary, a good spoon, you know? Like maybe five minutes, ten minutes of foreplay, five, ten minutes of sex, we both come and, and go to bed. And, of course, we know how a scene ends with the cum shot, the pop shot, the money shot. Sure. In a scene, where is your favorite place to shoot your load? Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, you know, face is always a classic. Every guy grows up dreaming of come on, coming on faces. Uh, I feel like that's that's always the fantasy, and that's the one that most girlfriends are like. No, don't come on my face. But uh, uh, you know, so that that's that's always a very exciting one. Um, so if I had to pick one, I would say face or cream pie are my are my two uh, my two top uh, top bills. You know, and then then I have, I have a pretty substantial load. So you know, if I'm doing face, I like to do you know, and for the, all the guys out there, if you're doing face. Try not to hit her in the eyes. Like try to try to do from the nose down, and you can get some on the tits too. Like that, that's a solid facial, you know, because like you know they don't want that in their eye. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then obviously cream pie is always fantastic. And uh, yeah, those those are two solid solid cum shots for me. I, I enjoy both of those quite a bit. How would you describe your fuck style? Um, you know, I feel like. Uh, it's the same way that that we describe our website. To be honest, I would call it wholesome hardcore. So so it's uh it's very passionate. It's very connected. So there are moments where I would close, and, and you can see the passion in it, like in the uh, in what we're doing. But I also do open and do the hardcore stuff, the spitting, uh, whatever whatever they're into. I'll go as hard as they want. Uh, you know, slapping, choking, uh, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, as, as hard as they want to go, I'll go with that hard, but I also like to show the moments of, of, like, passion and connection in the scene. So, wholesome hardcore is my style, I would say. What goes into making the perfect POV scene, in your opinion? Oh, man, um, perfect POV scene. Um... Let's see. As far as from my end, uh, the models are always fantastic. Uh, they've shot POV. They know what they're doing. So, so that's really not a non-issue. Um, I would say um, maintaining your your hard on is is one of the things. Obviously, that you know, if you can't stay 100% hard, it it it's not going to look great for a POV scene. Uh, and then beyond that, camera work is is a is a very big portion of that as well. Uh, you know. Some people, when they're shooting POV, uh, they tend to be shaky, obviously, because you're, you know, if you're getting, like, the best head of your life, you know, the tendency is for your, your arms to shake a little bit. You know, if you're, if you're trying to hold your load back, you know, you're going to shake a little bit. But you need to try to be as steady as possible. Um, and then also a big thing is if you're frame, like, for, for me, because I've worked for a lot of companies that were very specific about their POV shots. I, I've, worked, I've done... 30 or 40 POV, POV scenes for, for a POV company that only shoots POV. Um, and the big thing is framing your shot. So if you're, like, if you're shooting the pussy and you're shooting the dick going into the pussy, don't follow your dick. Just lock on the pussy, a solid shot, hold the shot, 
and just go in and out, but but maintain that shot. And then every 30 seconds, whatever feels natural, you can come to the face, look at the face, you know, and then come back down. But some people have a tendency, because they're doing the thrusting, to follow their dick in and out. But the viewers don't want to don't aren't aren't here to follow your dick. They're, they want to see the the the, sh the money shot with the dick just sliding in and out. You got you so you have to be steady, and you have to maintain correct framing. So I feel like that's that's paramount when you're shooting a good POV scene. So we talked about the perfect POV. Can you talk about just the sort of like the intricacies that you have to sort of deal with in actually filming? A POV scene like is there um, I don't know I'm, I'm trying to think of like what the typical porn watcher probably thinks it is like is it as simple as just holding up the camera and pointing it down like is there anything into is there any like difficulties in filming POV uh, well, every company has their different styles that they prefer to shoot. Uh, some companies like to see some of your body. Some companies don't want to see some of your body. Uh, uh, my favorite way of shooting, and most of the companies that I work for, uh, one of the biggest things is, is, again, the correct framing. Like, so for me, it's always you want to shoot just slightly. Like you want, so if they're getting a blowjob, you want to be leaning back, and you want to be at the correct distance away, which is. You know, it's it's different for every company you shoot for, but you know, you want to be able to basically see most of the girl's face up to the very top of their head, and then if they're giving a blowjob, let's say, as they're getting the motion, you want to be able to see from just below the base, so just a little bit of the of the pubic region, and then to the top of their head, and you want to kind of maintain that, um, and then beyond that, uh, that that's very difficult in and of itself because you're also leaning back. So, you know, if, if your abs and your cores aren't strong, you're, you're going to be shaking and the camera's going to look shaky. So that does make it quite difficult. The other hardest thing I would say is um, maintaining lighting uh, because, you know, li even lighting is very important to make it look right. And especially you're right above the model with a camera, so you can't be blocking any of the light. That's another reason for the lean back. And then, as, like when you're going through positions, you, you want to make sure that you're positioning the model and yourself in such a way that you're not blocking any of the light that, that you need for the shot. Because obviously, if you're in doggy, let's say, it's going to be dark there. So you need to position yourself usually kind of sideways to the light that's coming directly at you because you want to have as much light coming in as possible. Also, you, you want to have a sea light maybe on your camera or somewhere nearby. And uh, you also there's a lot to focus on as well. You know, sometimes you have to change your ISO, which is, you know, the amount of light. Like you have to change your aperture, you have to change your ISO. You have to be working with the camera the whole time. Uh, some companies are okay with cuts. A lot of P, a lot of companies that shoot POV though, they don't want any cuts because it takes away from the realisticness of it. Like like it's not realistic to to all of a sudden stop and then kind of reposition. So you have to be able to kind of work things on the fly between positioning yourself, the model you're working with, and also getting the camera settings correct. So there's, a, there's actually a lot, a lot to focus on. And then, obviously, like I said in the, in the previous answer, maintaining your frame and not being shaky. So far in the time, well, actually, no, I didn't ask you this. Well, I guess I, we can do the math. Um, sure. 
since since uh, since I didn't ask it officially, you know, I guess I'll ask it for the record um, in, in in air quotes. How long have you been a performer in the industry? It's been, I, I guess, based off of the math of you being in in LA, it's been about I would say five years. Uh, I started January of 2018, so yeah, uh, five almost five and a half years now. That's so, yeah, what's my up. first scene was yeah, my first scene was January. I want to say 18th of 2018. And, uh, yeah, so, so then I, I, I did a lot. So that first year I did a lot of, uh, you know, as is very traditional in porn, I did a lot of gang bangs. I did a lot of blow bangs. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of the scenes that are, that are more, you know, there's more guys involved with, with the model that way, you know, cause companies want to see that you can do it. So I spent a lot of time during 2018 doing a, a lot of, uh, uh, gang bangs, blow bangs and things of that nature and working with smaller companies that, that uh, you know, were giving me a shot. And, uh, yeah, that, that first year I was lucky enough to collect enough of a uh, uh, catalog of work that uh, I actually landed my first, uh, my first nomination as a uh, uh, nomination for AVN Best Male Newcomer at the, uh, for my first year of performance. So that, that was really exciting. That, that really showed me that, you know, this is a, this is a path that I can actually take. Exactly. That's the biggest form of like reassurance I think that any performer can get that you know what you're doing a damn good job in the industry. Exactly, exactly. And I think that was also a very big thing for my wife as well. Uh, I remember at at the nomination party they didn't announce that that category and and you know I hadn't been nominated for anything and I was like, well, I I, I didn't expect to be nominated for anything. I only been in for a year. And then I went online and I, I, I scrolled through and I got to the best male newcomer category and I saw my name and I showed my wife and then I just remember on the Uber ride home she was like, she was like you did this like this didn't have anything to do with me you you did it all on your own and I'm so proud of you and you know I think this can work I'm so happy you know and so it was a very very exciting moment when I when I got that first nomination for sure. So in the time that you have been in the industry, in the five years and some change that you have been a performer, who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with? I'm not necessarily looking for, you know, top ten, top five, top three, or anything sure, like sure. that. Just names that pop into your mind. I'm saying all that to give you a little leeway, just in case if you leave anybody out. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, of course. No, I mean, like I said, I, I, I adore everyone. Um, that being said, I, I have a, uh, a live show coming up on the, uh, the 8th with uh, Lily Lane. She's a, uh, a tattooed MILF performer, uh, and she, she, is, she is amazing. Uh, she's one of the first models that I did a content trade with. I've done maybe seven or eight between content trades and scenes. I've done seven or eight of those with scenes with her at this point. So she's amazing. Um, Carlo Lane is a uh, an amazing BBW performer. I've done many scenes with her. Um, I've also done quite, you know, Brooklyn Gray was always amazing, uh, always always fantastic to work with. Violet Star, I've done a few trades with her, and and the sex with her is is on another level. I mean, I, the the list can go on and on. Um, Kira Noir did I did some trades with her early in my early when I started. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Nikki Sex, I just had the honor of working with her recently. Uh, she just released our content trade on her channels. And then all the models that I shoot with for my, uh, for my sites are just, I, I can't even say enough good things about any of them. Uh, um, 
Jules Blue, uh, Callie Roses, uh, Lainey Gray, Anna Claire Clouds. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Well, let's do another list. But this one is a sure. list of uh, hopefully manifestation. Who have you not worked with that you would love to do a scene with? Who's on your wish list? Um, you know, we've been in talks. I've talked to her quite a few times, but I am, I'm really, really excited at the prospect of working with uh, Nicole Doshi. Nice. I don't, I don't know if you – yeah, yeah. So, so we, we've talked quite a few times. I've, uh, I've done an intro, uh, like a, just an interview with her for, uh, for one, of, uh, one of the scenes that I worked behind the scenes on, because I still work behind the scenes, because why not? You know, I, I enjoy being on set, so if I'm not performing, I work behind the scenes. But I got to do an interview with her, and ever since then, I, I was like, man, we, we would make an amazing scene. So definitely Nicole Doshi. Um, let me think here. Um, Jordan Max. Uh, we actually have something in the works, and I'm really excited about that because I've known I've known her a long time in the industry. Very excited about that scene. Um, maybe uh, Sarah Ryder. They're amazing. I, I would love to do a scene with Sarah Ryder. I just feel like they have a great energy. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, any and all would be amazing. But uh, off the top of my head, those are a few of the few of the names just that come off the top of my head right now. Are there any performers in the industry or just individuals in the industry, period, that you look up to? Are there any individuals that inspire you in what you're trying to do in the business? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I would say one of the, one of the big ones is um, Mick Blue. I, uh, when I was working for Perb City, I was also working for Bam Visions, and I saw what he had and, uh, you know, his, his marriage and... Yeah, he was also, you know, performing at such a high level, and I like that was one of the one of the big inspirations, honestly, to kind of get my own thing going was seeing what he had going. Because um, I, I, you know, I would I would go to his birthday party and I would see him with Annika, and that that was always very inspiring to me. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, Johnny Sims, uh, I which for some reason people compare me and him all the time. I don't know if it's just because we're both bald. I don't I don't know what the situation is with that, but. <laughs> He, but he's because an amazing performer. He, no, seriously, like, like it definitely happens a lot. Uh, let me see. Um, Zach Wild. Uh, we were actually our my first agency that I was with. Zach Wild was at the same agency, and we both kind of were there. And uh, seeing him rise through the industry has been an inspiration to me. Uh, seeing how he kind of worked his way up, and and he's gotten to the level where he, where he is now, and. You know, just all my friends, uh, uh, you know, I look up to all of them. I think they're all just amazing. Uh, you know, um, Nathan Bronson, Robbie Echo, uh, you know, um, all the performers are, are amazing. Uh, Prince Yeshua, uh, uh, he actually, I, I've been behind the scenes, and I've actually been an extra in a few of his scenes. Uh, Prince always, he would come in and speak so highly of me. He'd be like, dude, you're an inspiration. I'm over here like, dude, Prince Yeshua is telling me that I'm an inspiration, and this guy's a porn legend, you know, so... He was always someone that I that I was kind of like, you know, just amazed that this this level of performer was looking at me and telling me how amazing I was. So he he became an inspiration to me very quickly as well. It's a fantastic list of individuals to be inspired by. So yes, uh, very very nice list. All right, so now it's time for the big question, a question that I'm sure a lot of your fans and supporters might be curious to know. How much is Dan uh -oh. Ferrari packing? <laughs> How much is he packing? Uh, let's see. 
do I answer this truthfully? No, I'll answer it truthfully. Uh, you know, on a on a super solid day, seven inches. So you know, like like I'm 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 definitely not the biggest in the industry. Uh, the the way that I phrase it is, I'm big enough to show, but I'm not big enough that I'm going to hurt anyone. That's a good explanation right there. Right? I, I feel like that's a, that's a solid, solid thing, you know? Like, no, no one has to be worried. If they're coming to work with me, it's like, you know, if you just shot with, uh, you know, with, like, let's say Prince, we'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like, we'll, we'll get through this just fine. But, uh, yeah, so, so I, 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 have, I have enough that, uh, that I can definitely make the camera see it. And, uh, I, like, and I don't want to hurt anyone anyway. I don't want to be stressing about that. So, you know, it all works out in the end. Now, we alluded to this earlier, and, and you alluded to it in your answer, but now I want to actually discuss it, your pop shots. Okay. Your pop shots are ridiculous, so <laughs> let's talk about them. Do you do anything in particular to make sure that you have a good pop for the camera? Are those pops just natural to you? Have you always been, you know, just a, a, a large pop shotter, for lack of a better word. Uh -huh. What goes into Dan Ferrari's pop shots? Well, uh, you know, prior to porn, I, I didn't even really think about it. You know, it, it wasn't like, like, I was never like, hey, that was a good one. You know, like, there was no reason for me to even contemplate my pop shots prior to porn. So I don't actually even remember pre-porn, like, how large they were. Um, uh as far as throwing ropes, I mean, I do all the things that uh, I don't know if they necessarily do anything or not. I do take some supplements that are supposed to help. Uh, um, you know, any supplements that are good for your prostate are supposed to be beneficial for your pop shots. Um, if you take zinc, that's supposed to help. Um, sunflower lecithin is supposed to help. There's there's a, a number of different supplements that, that I take on a daily basis just to maintain. Um, high protein intake. Uh, very well, stay very well hydrated, and um, I mean beyond that, that that's that's pretty much it. I don't know, you know, I I I just remember that there was this one site that that was specifically a facial site, and my agent hit me up and he was like, "Hey man, do you have big pop shots?" And I was like, "I got you, bro." So you know, and uh, yeah, so so it kind of became one of my signatures was uh, the size of my pop shots, and uh, I mean I'm happy about it, but. I have no idea where it came from, to be honest. I'm, maybe I'm just blessed, you know, hashtag blessed. But Genetics, yeah, ba basically. I guess so. I'm just throwing rope, man, just throwing rope everywhere. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, you're a, you're a modern-day Picasso of the penis. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the more serious issues in the industry. And the first question in this set is, are there any misconceptions or myths about porn performers that you would like to dispel? Um, I, I kind of alluded to it before when I said the thing about being behind the scenes, uh, that it's not an orgy. But yeah, I, I would say the main thing is, is that we are actual people. Um, you know, like, we're not always sexual objects, you know, like, like we're presenting that as, as the fantasy, you know, we are the fan, we're, we're trying to present a fantasy, uh, but we are people, we do normal things, you know, we're not all having a 24-7 fuck fest, it, it's not an orgy, we don't, like, you know, we're not all sleeping around with all these random people and things like that, like, 
we're, we're very professional. You know, uh, there's anywhere from five to ten pages of paperwork we do. There's rigid testing protocols. Um, it's very safe and it's very regimented and it's not just an orgy. And uh, also that there can be actual relationships in porn. Like I've mentioned my wife many times during this interview, uh, you know, there are relationships in porn and we're not all swingers. We're not all doing that. My wife and I are monogamous other than me, you know, railing out models on camera. Uh, we are monogamous. Uh, we, we like when the camera's not rolling, I'm not having sex with anyone else. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that can exist. It, it's not necessarily that you have to be some sort of freaky sexual swinger to be doing this. I mean, obviously that kind of lends to it, but there are, we are normal people, quote unquote. Let me, let me just put it that way. That, that's one of the biggest myths that I want to dispel. We're normal people and we're not just fucking anyone just at random. Is there an aspect of the industry that you do not enjoy? Um, huh. Um, let me think. How can I phrase this properly? Um, sometimes fans, while, while fans are greatly appreciated, we love you guys. You guys are amazing. You're, you're what drives our industry. Um, you know, expecting our time for free is uh is is a big thing that that's kind of gets overwhelming i'm happy to interact with fans to a degree when it starts to get too involved though it starts to become a little bit not not a problem but it can be a bit uh grating you know because then then because we are trying to be ourselves we are we are normal people you know we're not our porn personas 24 7 so to have a fan trying to constantly interact with us especially without compensation is very frustrating and of course um the biggest issue I feel like in the industry is, you know, fans nowadays believe that porn is free. Like I, I've, I've had many people that are like, oh, but porn is free. It's not free to make. It's not free to produce. And we are putting ourselves out there. So if you're not paying for your porn, you're doing a disservice to the performers that you're watching. And that, that's a very big thing. Pay for your porn. Always support the, the performers that you like to watch because this is our livelihood, and we are do we are putting on a, a performance for you. And if you just decide to watch it for free, it's kind of taking advantage of our vulnerability and the performance that we're putting on for you. I love what you said just there. Yes, because I feel like a lot of people nowadays are getting accustomed to social media and the various, you know, tube sites that are out there and you know they need to realize you know that it costs money to make those scenes and uh, you know you should be subscribing to a performer's official website or if they've got an OnlyFans or something you have to find a way to support the people that you love in the industry that you're a fan exactly. of exactly yeah 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 mm -hmm. 100% 100% yes Let's talk about the step genre that has sure, taken that's... over the industry. Um, I would say within the past, maybe I'm trying to think of like how long it's been. Cause I've been interviewing performers for about 15 years. The step genre was not really a thing then. I would say maybe within the past five to seven years, the step genre really has, has uh, emerged as a force to be reckoned with. 
in the industry. In my opinion, as someone that has been interviewing performers for a moment, like it started off, I would say, from the MILF genre. It went from the MILFs, and then it wasn't just the MILF, it was like the step MILF. And then the step MILF turned into stepsister, stepcousin, stepfather, stepuncle, step auntie. Like it's you know, it's just a whole step situation. What's your take on the step of it all? Uh, I personally call it incest light or incest adjacent. I mean I mean let's be real. I mean that's what's being performed, although I mean, clearly none of the performers are related and I, I do know that, you know, they have to say make sure they say step in there. But uh, I mean at a certain point they're just saying mommy and that kind of stuff and daddy. So Yeah. 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 What's your take on uh, it? So I I personally have no problem performing it. Um I've been the creepy step uncle, step daddy, all those things so many times. Uh obviously I'm I'm, you know, not a twenty year old performer, so I'm I'm usually in the in the stepdad or step uncle or that sort of thing. Every once in a while, I'm a stepbrother if I shave really close and wear a baseball cap or something, you know. So I've, I've, done, I've done all the step stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, have, I have zero, I have zero issues, issues performing it. Um, that being said, I feel like it's, uh, it's kind of been uh, self-perpetuating. I mean, obviously, there's always ebbs and flows. You know, there, there's, you know I know that, uh, you know, like you said, it was, first it was MILFs, and then every once in a while, like, you know, BBW becomes popular for a while, and then, you know, 18 becomes popular for a while, you know, there's always ebbs and flows of what people are looking for. Um, I feel like the reason maybe for the explosion of the step genre is most likely because people started starting asking for that content and then studios started producing it, but the studio started producing it to such a degree that that was most of the content that was coming out that was new was step content. Mm-hmm. And and in, like for, for the studios to, to produce content, they need to know that they're going to have some sort of monetary return on their investment of, of producing the content. So if, that, if that's the thing that's coming out most, then that's going to be what's being watched the most because that's the most prevalent at the time from the studios producing it. So if all the big studios are producing step porn, then that's what the consumers are going to be seeing and that's where the new scenes are going to be the most. So those are going to be watched. So it's almost like a self-perpetuating thing where – the analytics are going to show that step porn is being consumed at a higher rate than, than all the other porn because that's more prevalent in the industry. So, of course, the thing that's making more money, the thing that's showing more sales, is going to be produced at a higher rate. So, it, it, like I said, it's self-perpetuating at that point because if that's what's being produced and that's what people are consuming because it's the newest thing, then that's what's going to show analytics that that's what's making the money and that's what the studios are going to want to produce. That's just my that's just my two cents on, mm-hmm. on why that's become such a trend and and why anything necessarily becomes a trend, you know, because all of a sudden people will kind of get at, almost as a group, almost like a, a mass consciousness shift in, into something else, and then that becomes the thing that gets produced the most, and then that's why it carries on for what seems like an extended amount of time, because that's what's driving sales at that time. I like that breakdown. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly, yeah. Very interesting. I like that. Yeah, very good breakdown. Okay, so before we leave sort of like the serious side of the questions, what I want to ask you about is testing. Because I feel like a lot of casual porn viewers don't necessarily realize how heavily tested the industry is and how... 
you know, if you don't have, you know, for some sets, it might be a seven-day test, it might be a two-week test, like, there, there are real, like, strong stipulations and regulations in regards to, you know, when was the last time you were tested, and when yeah. you can shoot. So can you explain that to the listeners? So um, really, at the end of the day, like the industry standard, when I first got in, the industry standard was 30-day testing. Um, and then since then, uh, before I started performing, at some point, it switched over to 14-day testing was the standard. In addition to that, uh, the amount of panels has gone up. So we used to, like uh, back when I first started, it was a, I believe, a six-panel test. And we are now up to an eight-panel test, plus a throat swab, plus a rectal swab. So you're talking 10 different panels being run on each test. Uh, and it, there, and the, industry, the basic industry standard would be uh, every two weeks. You have to have a valid test within the past 14 days prior to your shoot. Like you said, some companies do require seven days. But then at the end of the day, it's up to the models themselves. If a model requires their scene partner to have anywhere from a 24-hour to a three-day test, it is what it is, uh, and it is very strictly adhered to, you know, um, there, there hasn't been an online, an onset transmission of, of anything major in, in a very long time, so, so it, it, it hasn't been a major concern, but there is very rigid testing protocols that everyone likes to follow. No one wants to give anyone anything. No one's trying to, to get one over on anyone, and if they are, you know, please, like, name them, let's blacklist these people from the industry, because... This, the testing needs to be, it needs to be, this needs to be done as safely as possible. Um, you know, I actually, I just tested this morning. I, 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 had, I test every 13 days myself just so I have a one-day window in case my test is delayed for any reason. That way I can still shoot the following day if, if my test is delayed coming back. And, uh, you know, I would say 99% of performers are, are on board. You know, there's obviously a few that are like, well, there's wiggle room and, you know, we like, if that's, if that's how they think, then I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'll work with you when you have a valid test. So, but yeah, it is very strict, very rigid testing protocols. Um, and then obviously, you know, beyond that, very rigid protocols as far as 2257s, uh, paperwork, documentation, IDs, all of that sort of thing. But yeah, the testing protocols are very rigid, uh, and we do have... Uh, now we have, in L.A., we have uh, Clear, which is the new testing facility that just opened up a few months ago, and they are in pass. And uh, I was just there this morning. Couldn't be a more pleasant time. I was there at 8 a.m., and the phlebotomist was amazing, and I had a great time. Got to spin the wheel. I didn't win anything today, but, you know, good time was had. Now let's shift away from the serious questions, and let's talk about, well, this. I guess this question could be serious, serious for you in particular, because this is this is your your creation let's talk about your official site number one how long has it been up and running and number two how does it stand out from the rest so um our network uh uh, is slutinspection.com and the network is comprised currently of i believe five sites I, i think it's six now actually six sites now are within the network. If you join our network, you do get access to all six of our sites. Um, and th- that is my, myself and my wife launched our officially launched it, I believe, last March. Some, something. It's about it's about a year. About a year that it's been up. Congratulations. And officially, 
Thank you so much. It, it was it was around prior to that, but we officially signed with uh, with a network that that is hosting our content and everything like that. So we are on a network with that, and uh, so SpotInspection.com and all of our content is uh, other than our newest site. All of our content. The reason it's different is it's uh, it's Cuck Queen based, and for the listeners out there that don't know what Cuck Queen is, everyone knows what cuckold is. Cuckold is when a man gets pleasure out of watching his significant other with other people, like with, with other men, whatever, whatever it might be, that he gets pleasure out of that. So cuck queen is the exact same, but the roles are reversed. So my wife, early into, into my porn career, realized that she really enjoyed watching me with other women and filming me with other women. So that became our niche. So that that or our niche, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, but yeah, so that that's the whole concept of our site is based on the fact that it is my real life wife filming me with performers and, and models that we work with and she cheers us on as we go and she loves she loves it and she she talks about the whole video. She interviews the models, then I come in and she tells us what she wants to see, how to position ourselves to, so she can best see what's going on. And she really is into it and filming it. And we have a BTS site now as well on our network that you can see that it really is my wife filming me with other people. And it's it's just a, a very fun, and again, my style of fucking is wholesome hardcore, and that's how I would label our site. So, And we're very inclusive. Uh, we work with women of, of uh, you know, all ages, all sizes, you know, anyone that's above 18 that has a valid test that wants to work and is, is down to come and work with us, you know, we're happy to work with them. And uh, it's just really fun, really natural, and a really good time. And, I mean, you know, how could I not have a great time? I, my wife is, you know, cheering me on while I fuck other women. So, you know, it sounds good to me. Right. Let's talk about the name. Where did the name come from? So uh, my wife came up with that, actually. So Slut Inspection was, it kind of came naturally uh, throughout the first few scenes that we shot for her. We didn't even know that we were going to create a, a site based on it. But when she started interviewing them, it was kind of, you know, we she felt that, that kind of like she wanted Slut to be seen as, as like, you know, something that's not necessarily negative. So that's that's why it's Slut Inspection. And inspection is just mostly the fact that she's interviewing them, getting to know them, and kind of, you know, checking them out and being like, okay, you know, I've inspected you, you know, now you get to fuck my husband. And that's kind of where that came about. How often do you update the site? Um, well, I'd have to check with, you know, my management, a.k.a. Suzanne. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I think we do. Let me just throw this out there. How, how many updates do we do? How often do we update the site? Like every four days. Every four days. We oh, nice. So that's <laughs> so impressive. She, yeah, I just figured she's editing the scene for someone else right now. But uh, yeah, she. So she said every four days or so we update the site. And uh, like I said, we do have uh, uh, the six sites now. So let me see if I can remember them all. So we have uh, um, we have a teen site a BBW site, a POV site, a BTS site, and then just a, uh, uh, a wife's POV site. And then we just launched um, actually my wife's own site. 
she, uh, she's been doing this new site. It's called Teasing and Pleasing. And I am actually not fucking in these, which is sad, but I'm also filming her making out with other models, and she does assisted masturbation on them. Uh, she, she stays fully clothed, and it's very wholesome, very just they make out. She gets them all naked, uses the toy on her until she comes. So that, that's a fun little site. But, yeah, those are, those are the six sites that we have now. So if you sign up for slotinspection.com for the network, you get access to all six sites. Very nice, man. Congratulations. Congratulations to both Thank of you. you. Just because, like, ever since I've been doing these interviews, like, the thing that I've been hammering into the head of performers that I've been interviewing is you need your own website because that's where the money is. I mean, let's be real. And Thank I think you. a lot of performers nowadays, they use a crutch, and that crutch is OnlyFans. And, Absolutely, yes, yeah. OnlyFans is, is wonderful. It, it is popular. A lot of people are on it. it. It is the thing that's like the trendiest thing right now. And I fully understand that. So if you want to have a presence on there, by all means, have a presence on there. But people have to remember, especially if you are a content creator, if you are a porn performer, OnlyFans you do not own. OnlyFans is owned by Mr. OnlyFans or Mrs. OnlyFans. So exactly. they get a big percentage of what you're making. And sure, you can make a lot of money because a lot of people love to brag about the money that they're making on OnlyFans. But at the end of the day, that's just a percentage of what you can make if you had your own website. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that we're, you know, over here raking in money. You know, obviously we just launched about a year ago. It does take time to get off the ground and everything like that. And there are costs. Um, it's always good to find a network that, that you're happy with. Uh, we're with Full Porn Network, which has, uh, um, you know, has analyzed, um, Bad Daddy POV, uh, um, Porn Force. There, there's a bunch of other sites on the network that we're on. So if you can find a network to host your site, that's really the ideal way to do that. Um, and there are costs. Obviously, they, they have to take a percentage. They're, ho they're the hosts. They're the webmasters. Uh, for us, they, they, you know, we, we have a, a deal with a uh, distributor for DVDs, you know, so everything has its costs, obviously, and you can't expect anywhere to just give you all the money, you know, because there, sure. there are overhead costs for, for the networks, and you do have to pay them something for doing all of those things. Um, but the biggest thing is, I would say, have your own website, but 100%, have your many vids, have your, have your OnlyFans, have your... Uh, Pornhub Premium, have your have all of those things. Like, definitely, d don't don't minimize where you're posting. Don't be like, oh, well, I'm making a lot of money on OnlyFans, so that's the only place I'm posting. If OnlyFans changes its terms of service, or uh, you know, God forbid, like the thing that happened with Pornhub a few years ago, if they lose credit card processing, you can lose all your money. You can go from making crazy money to making almost nothing overnight. You know, so diversify your portfolio. Have your content everywhere. Um, but it, it is good to have your own website because then you have much more control over the stability of, of everything. You know, as long as you stay within the, the terms of the credit card processing and, and, you ha and you have an understanding with the network that you're being hosted on that you won't go past these certain boundaries, it's a much more secure platform. Like, you're, you're not going to magically lose your website. You know, like, you can lose your OnlyFans like in in instantly hour, you only fans. It, yeah all of a sudden your only fans could be, just be gone but if you have your own website you have much more control and much more stability if you have your mm -hmm. own website so i so it's a definite recommendation to to at least look into it for for the future 
and build a catalog of content and be ready to at least try to put that in action at some point. Is there any type of content that you currently aren't featuring on your SLUT inspection network that you're planning on adding in the future? Is there anything, basically what I'm trying to ask, is there anything that you aren't doing right now that is an idea of something that you might want to implement in the future? Oh, absolutely. There, there's a few things. Um, uh, the biggest thing right now that, that uh, we're looking into, hopefully starting next month uh, in June, and we're, we're, it's in the works. We, we, we've been in talks with, uh, with the company to produce this. We want to start doing uh, slut inspection live. We want to start doing live shows. Oh, very nice. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So um, anyone that's a member of – we want to make it so that anyone that's a member of the sites would have access to the live stream as well as have the, the fan base on the live streams be able to see. We want people to be able to see what we do. Um, we're not sure exactly – how to do it yet? We, we're going to, of course, you know, launch and then kind of figure it out as we go because it is a new concept for us. Um, but we really want to show our Cut Queen content being shot live, and so that we can, just like our our BTS, kind of show how much fun we have and how how real it is and how wholesome it is and how 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 much fun the models are having when they're working with us. Uh, I, I just think that'll be amazing and. Again, we've said it a few times, but the exhibitionist in me, in me is like, oh, more! I, I can physically see people watching me? Awesome. All right, fantastic. So that's amazing. Um, and then beyond that, one thing that we've been in talks about, I'm not sure when this is going to come to fruition, but um, we have been talking about wanting to produce our own feature movie as well. Um, so that's something that really excites me because we want to show – Cut Queen content, uh, you know, in a feature film, you know, because it, it's our life. It, it's it's my wife's life. It's my life. Uh, so we would like to create a feature film at some point. We don't know exactly when, if it's going to be this year or next year, but that's something that I'm really excited about as well. So that's something really, really exciting to look forward to. As a follow-up to the feature film, like a, uh, like a softcore porn feature film or like, a, you know, like a hardcore porn feature film? Uh, we would probably do it, uh, you know, we would want to be able to get uh, cable syndication of it, so I'm guessing we would shoot multiple, uh, but we would we would lean towards the hardcore, just because that that's our product, is it, uh, hardcore pornography, so that would be the main drive. I'm not 100% sure that we would do a softcore version, but um, that's something that we would have to talk about, but it would be hardcore, and uh, really, I feel like it would, you know, mostly be following our journey into becoming a porn couple, you know, like not necessarily like going into the industry, but into our, our, the lifestyle of what we're into. The fact that my wife likes to watch me with other women. Uh, and we think we could bring a realness to it because, uh, you know, a lot of companies do scripted cuck content and cuck clean content. So we want to produce something that's genuine and authentic. And like, this is our real life. This is like, you know, this is something that, that is out there. And we found that there are a lot of women that actually enjoy our content too, because, uh, women, there's a lot of women that like to watch their men with their men with other women, but they, it, it's not represented in the industry. So, and we've noticed that there there is a uh, a large market for it. So, we really want to show that in a feature film, and uh, you know, also just do something a little uh, little edgy, a little more uh, involved. You know, totally yes. 
and another follow-up, Slut Inspection Live. I think one of the yeah. great things about this is you have experience with live. Like you mentioned earlier, you've done the Cherry Pimps uh, live uh, a bunch of times. So you are going into this with actual experience doing live shows. In your opinion, what goes into making a successful live show? Um, well, yeah, I, I have been shooting for Cherry Pimps quite a bit. That's been what the main company that shot me over the years. Um, so that that is one, one of the companies that, that I produce for quite a bit. And I'm doing a live show for a different company. I've done a live show for Jerkmate as well. I'm doing a live show for uh, another company with Lily, as I said earlier. Um, I feel like for, there, there's different ways to do it, and I've seen many different ways that it, that it can be done properly. Uh, some male talent like to do it as though it's like a game show. Some some male talent, you know, some models like to do it as though it, it's like, you know, just as a performance for the camera. My style is, you know, I'm 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 every man. I, you know, I'm just a guy that happened to wind up in porn. So I want to involve the viewers as much as possible. I I, I like when the viewers get involved. You know, if I'm if I'm fucking the model missionary, and I'm sucking on her toes, I'll hold the other leg to the camera, and I like you know I'll be like, hey, someone else suck suck on her toes over here. You know, I like to interact with the viewers. I like to make it very authentic, very real, because I'm just I'm just a guy that happened to wind up in porn, and I want all the guys that are out there to know that you know I'm doing this for you guys. <laughs> like you know I'm physically there, but. You know, I'm there for you guys, and, and you know, I, I just like to be interactive. I like to enjoy it. I like to sh- give you what you want. Talk to me, like, like chat with me, like while you while you're on the show. Um, I think that makes it really fun. I think that makes it really enjoyable. If the room is quiet, you know, then we're just kind of doing our thing without the input. So I really, I think the input is uh, is paramount to a good live show. Very nice. All right. So we're going to once again shift gears and shift the focus back to you as we start wrapping things up. Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. Something unique about Dan Ferrari. Oh, man. Um, Let's see. I am OCD about cleaning. That's pretty quirky. Um, I will vacuum every day uh, or every other day. I find doing la- doing cleaning, doing laundry, and everything very cathartic. I put in my headphones and just go into the zone. Um, that that's like that's my thing, man. Is like if I have a day off, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna clean the fuck out of my apartment for the first like five hours of the day. Um, let's see, uh, other thing. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, quite a few people know this, but uh, you know, I. Uh, I really like working out, but the reason that I'm so focused on it is I used to be almost 300 pounds. I used to be huge. Uh, so that's another thing about me. That's that's interesting. So anyone out there that's listening that might have a little extra weight, I didn't do surgery. I didn't do pills. Uh, I did uh, just hard work, less eating, more moving. So there's a, there's a couple for you. Congratulations, man, because that's life Thank transforming. You. Absolutely. Describe yourself in 10 words or less. Uh, easygoing adrenaline junkie. I think that's going to do it, yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> easygoing adrenaline junkie. Let's allow your fans to get to know some of your favorites. I have this list of pop culture-oriented questions that are designed to allow 
the listeners and your fans to get to know some of your pop culture favorites. So the first question in this set is, what are five of your most favorite television shows? Ooh, oh, man. Um, let's see. I don't know if I can come up with five, but I'll give it my best. Um, huh, let's see. Um, Firefly? That, that was a good one, if, if that's the right one. If, I, think, I think I'm thinking of the right one, Firefly. Um, Lost was a big one for me growing up. I remember watching that with my family every week, watching Lost. Um, let's see. What was the one that, that uh, just came out, the zombie one on HBO? Last, the Last, Last of, of Us. Us. Yeah, yeah, that, that was really cool. I played, that, I played the video games of that. That was really, really good. Pedro Pascal killing it over there. Um, I've been ripping through Naruto lately uh, on on Hulu, so that that's that's awesome. I love love a good anime. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, oh, okay, this is a fun one. Great British Bake Off. That's like a guilty pleasure of mine. Watching the watching the Bake Off, man, that's a good time. Who are four of your all time favorite music artists? Man, coming in with the hard hitting questions, huh? All right. right. Um, let's let's see here. My current favorites, uh, I I've been loving on uh Buried Alive, which is a uh, like a prog metal rock band. Uh this couple I don't even know where they're from, but amazing guitarists, like so amazing. Uh let's see, um growing up, Mr. Bungle, which is uh um Mike Patton, uh, his his project after like when he was in Faith No More. So yeah, Mr. Bungle was big for me growing up. Uh, Coheed and Cambria. Um, I don't know if anyone out there knows Coheed and Cambria, but uh, I'm I'm good friends with the drummer, and we go to all their shows whenever they come to town. We go backstage, hang out with them. Uh, I used to play at the local Battle of the Bands from back when they were Shibuti. So so they they're awesome. And then uh, after that. Hmm, Let's see here. Um, maybe Watsky. He's, he's like a, a rapper slash spoken word artist. And he, he has some really fun uh, rhyme schemes in his songs. What are three of your most favorite films? Favorite films? Oh, man. Um, let's see. Let's go Dusk Till Dawn. Classic uh, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino right there. Um, Fight Club. And mm, one more favorite film. Uh, just because I can't think of anything else, I'll go with Ready Player One. I thought that was a phenomenal movie that came out in the past few years. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it came out, but the, the nostalgia in that movie was, was crazy for me being uh, you know, an 80s, early 90s kid. What are two foods you can't live without? I mean, I strive, I strive to be someone that can live without any kind of food, being a former fat person. But um, let's see. Um, sushi. I love sushi. And uh, let me think. Other than that, I was just in Thailand, so I'm going to say some good pad thai. And what is one of your guilty pleasures? 
guilty pleasures. Oh, I have so many. Um, other than women, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Guilty pleasures. I'm gonna say like chocolate. I'm a, I'm a chocoholic. Like anything chocolate, I, I'm in. I'm one of those people that can just sit and like if, if I just get a thing of, of chocolate frosting, I I'll eat that until my stomach hurts. What are you currently binging? Are you currently binge watching anything? You mentioned Naruto. Is that is that what you're currently binge watching? Um, well, I, I've I've had to binge quite a few things because I, I was I was out of town for three weeks, so my wife and I had to catch up on all of our our regulars. Uh, we just binged um we didn't really watch it at the time we just binged andor uh the, the star wars andor on uh on disney plus oh, okay mm-hmm. um i had to finish off mandalorian um and then i'm yeah uh, naruto is a big one uh i'm i'm uh i'm on like episode 150 of shippuden which is the second series of naruto at so many episodes of that that show um and then uh last night we were binging uh next level chef like we we like the chef shows. I don't know why. It just seems to be like a, a fun little escape. What's next for Dan Ferrari? What can the listeners and your fans expect from you in the near future? What's coming up? Um, well, I mean, the biggest thing, like we had already said, is is probably that live show. Um, you know, producing that. Uh, that that's one of the biggest things that I'm working on right now. Uh, beyond that, I'm just uh, you know focusing on getting back in shape. Um, and just getting more scenes, producing more content for slot inspection, and uh, just branching out. And I mean, you know, I'm just constantly trying to produce good content for the fans. That that's really my uh, my everyday status is uh, just watch what's coming next. Always trying to produce the best content for you guys. How can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social media, all of your links? You know, including uh, you know, just remind them once again of uh, the link to your website, to to your network. Absolutely. So slutinspection.com is the network. Uh, go and sign up. Like I said, you get access to all six sites for the for the one price for the network. Um, you can find us at Slut Inspection on Twitter, and then uh, my personal sites are all. The Dan Ferrari. So, you know, at The Dan Ferrari on Twitter, The Dan Ferrari on Instagram, same on OnlyFans, same on uh, Sex Panther, all, all, all the sites, The Dan Ferrari. Well, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters that are tuning in? Uh, just I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, I hope you enjoy the content. Let me know if there's anything that you want to see. Let me know if there's any models that you want to see work with me. Recommend, uh, you know, if, if you're on my socials, let me know who you want to see me work for. Let me know companies you want to see me shoot for. Let me know models you want to see me shoot with. And uh, I'll do the best to bring you guys the best content that I possibly can. And I appreciate all of you so much. I certainly want to thank you so much for the interview, Dan. It was a long time coming. Absolutely. It's all good. Fantastic. And the door's open for more. Whenever you want to come back to update the listeners on what you've been up to, you've got an open invite. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, this was a great time. I had a lot of fun. Fantastic. I love the sound of that. And listeners, also want to thank you for tuning into One on One with Poppy Chulo. Before we go, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One on One with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on One-on-One with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychularadio.com slash 
After Dark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one on one. That's at poppychulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash poppychulo radio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash poppychulo radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you, Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. And with that, Dan Ferrari and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. And like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.